Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A so do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you Hello and welcome to part one of the big interview with Vinny Samways. Vinny was one of those guests that by the end of our conversation, we were all asking ourselves, how on earth had we not invited him on the big interview before? You probably remember Vinny as a skillful, elegant playmaker in some terrifically entertaining Spurs sides of the late 80s and early 90s. But how much do you know about the leap of faith he took in 1996 to swap top-flight English football for life in the Segunda, the second division in Spain, with Las Palmas? This was a remarkably bold move for a 28-year-old who didn't know where Las Palmas was, but it paid off handsomely. He spent six seasons with the Canary Islands club before moving to Sevilla. In that fourth season with Las Palmas, they were promoted to La Liga, the top and he went on to face and pump Real Madrid's Galacticos. This is a superb tale of an extraordinarily entertaining football man, somebody who was ahead of his time. For the moment, we're still recording this on Zoom, and just for the first 10 minutes, there are tiny little glitches with Vinny's audio, but do stick with it. It gets better quickly, and he's worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, Vinny Samway's on the big interview. Listeners, we've got a treat today because, you know, on the big interview, it's not just that we favour people that I admire. We only bring in people that I admire that have inspired me, whose careers I've loved. But this is a guy who, who played his football in an era where it wasn't quite so easy to have all the YouTube repeats that you could, 
you could sort of drool over his skills. But our guest today, Bethnal Green's finest, Vinnie Samways, was a ball player. A ball player in an era when not all the teams in England uh, wanted to, to hold on to possession. And he's a ball player who eventually found his way to Spain and became really well known. And, and looking back today, Vinnie Samways, welcome to the big interview. Whenever I mention you to, to journalists of a certain age, they don't bring up the stereotypical nonsense because there was a flurry of cards when you came to Spain. Any Spanish football journalist of my age that remembers you, remembers you who's, who's like a, a non-English footballer when you moved over to Las Palmas in the late 90s. And do you, do you, do you get this affection when people talk to you now about what you did at Las Palmas back from around 97 onwards? Do you recognise what I'm saying? That, that people... Think, thought of you as like slightly a, a, an Englishman out of his time because you played like the Spaniards what play today and, and the, the way that Spaniards have won all those trophies for the national team. Do you recognise what I'm saying to you? Yeah, first and foremost, thanks very much um, for for the interview. Um, yes, uh, to be quite honest, um, especially in Las Palmas, my kids still get a lot of um, connections through social media of supporters. Um, and obviously, that my kids were young when I went there, so they appreciate it more now. They're older and understand it, but totally. Um, obviously, it was a big risk for me, um, leaving um, something very comfortable in the UK and then going to Spain. But I admired Spanish football ever since I've been watching football. Um, and it was always an ambition of mine to to want to play there at some stage and albeit it might have come a little bit earlier than than I would have thought in my career. Um, and I can honestly say I thoroughly enjoyed every moment of it and I've got the utmost respect for for the way the Spanish play, conduct theirself, and um, so it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. We're going to come back to a couple of things that I've mentioned that you've mentioned, like your regard for Spanish football, and I'm going to come back and ask you later, well, how the hell? Because it was barely on British television. I'm going to come back to Bethnal Green because it's a place that I'm... Because I remember when I was young, there was a real boxing fan lived opposite us, and he always talked about Bethnal Green and the gyms and the, the, the fights. And I know you, you moved out of there, and Bethnal Green maybe feels in the past, but I'd love to know what initially being a, a kid in Bethnal Green was like. But... It, when you came to the spot, Las Palmas is one of the Canary Islands... The first thing to say to you is, how hard was it to accept going to the second division? And little did you know, and maybe some of our listeners, and listen, I'm going to forgive our listeners if they don't know the full cast list of the Spanish second division in 1997. And this isn't a test of your memory, because maybe at the time you you weren't aware of them. But you moved into a division where at that time, for example... Ruben Baraja, who won two titles with Valencia under Rafa Benitez, was playing there. Vicente, one of the best left-wingers of the last 20 years in Spain, was playing there, went on to win a title at Valencia. Monchi, the genius recruiter at Sevilla, was a goalkeeper because Sevilla were in the second division. Lauren, who went on to be an invincible <coughs> Arsenal, sorry to mention the Arsenal so early in the podcast without mentioning Spurs first, but Lauren, <coughs> invincible, an Olympic gold medalist with Cameroon, was playing there for Levante. Lopetegui, who won the title with Real Madrid as a goalkeeper, went to the World Cup with Spain as a goalkeeper and is currently Sevilla manager. He was playing there. So two questions. 
you know, just out of ego, about having played at the best level in England, and then you're going to Spain's second division. How hard was that to swallow? And how quickly did the quality of what you were playing in register with you? For sure, coming down from the Premier League to the Segunda um, what had happened when I was at the offer, um, I'd like to go over for a week to have a look. And to be quite honest, with total respect to the Canary Islands, I didn't know where they was. And I've got on a plane, and when I've been on a plane to Spain before, it's two hours, two hours, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, we're nearly four hours thinking, where on earth am I going? Like, uh, land at Las Palmas. Um, the club was amazing from the start. And I mean, even the fourth week I was there having a look around. And then obviously they helped me because they, they got someone, um, a guy called Antonio de Armas, who's he's like a director there, but he was a, um, he lived in Nottingham for many years, so his English was perfect. And he told me the history of the club. That's predominantly a legal club. Had, um, some difficulties for a few years. So the moving down to a division, because they convinced me they were going to be fighting. I wouldn't want to go to a club that are just happy to stay in that second division. They made some very good signings um, before I arrived. Um, I flew the Flores, which uh, he went on to to La Coruña and them kind of places did very well. And they had a great structure of bringing young players through. And I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. So, um, yeah, it was realistically in terms of it was a step backwards in terms of maybe going from Premier League to the second division. But obviously I'm thinking this is short term because I do believe with what they've got in place, we can get up. Never easy, um, and the proof's in the pudding because it took us a, a couple of years. So yeah, it was a um, a risk, but it was one that I was prepared to take. So that was um, really the start of that. When I first went to, obviously you, you've possibly been there to the Insular um, Las Palmas's old ground. It held around twenty, give or take twenty four, twenty five thousand supporters. Every other week we played at home, it was full. And it was a typical, it, it reminded me of the old Upton Park where if you took a throw in, a fan could touch you on the shoulder. It was They were that close to the pitch. So, I mean, the first time I, I played there, I couldn't believe the atmosphere. It was just phenomenal. And the Canarian people's knowledge of football is amazing. Absolutely. They live and die for their club. Um, and I couldn't believe it because you're, you're talking about an island which is two hours away from the mainland um, on a flight. And I'm thinking, wow, this is this is proper. And at that time, Barcelona B were in the Segunda, second division, and uh, the likes of Xavi, Carlos Pollo, um, Gabri, um, they had some phenomenal players. I'll never forget when I played against Xavi and 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 co the first time I'm thinking, wow, these guys can play. This was like, I mean, a football session. It was like, you have it, we'll have it for five minutes. And the the pace of the game was totally different, 100% to, to the Premier League, because at the time when I was playing back in the UK, it was more back to front if possible. Okay, we didn't do that at Tottenham and possibly the likes of United didn't do it, but majority of teams at the time were back to front. Um, so 
obviously me going there was obviously not just a, a culture change. It was obviously adapting to the way they play. But I found it quite easy. It's the way I've always been brought up at Tottenham of possession football. Um, and so apart from the language barrier, the adapting to the Spanish football wasn't too difficult for me. The heat was phenomenal. It was like we used to play in, when we played on the island around eight or nine o'clock at night, which again, I couldn't get used to. And the heat was still like 25, 26 degrees. The pitches were, I mean, dry. Like, I mean, even they could, they would soak the pitches 20 minutes before the game at half time. Within 20 minutes, they're, they're dry. Wonderful. And no, this is why we had some amazing results and more when we went to, to, to the Liga against the bigger side because that's the realm we could come fast who are going to knock it around for fun. The pitch is wrong. So they want a wet pitch where they can zip it around. And it wasn't that we didn't want it because we did want it because we were try to do the same as what they did. But just because of um, circumstances and weather, it just, it just dried up so quick. But I mean, um, yeah, it was, it was like... A culture, a culture shock at the beginning, um, and I've only ever worn um, in England um, aluminiums because you don't wear rubber 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 studs in England because oh, maybe pre-season game when it's mid-July and it's baking hot. I mean, Saturday week in week out, there's aluminiums because the pitches are soft. Nine times out of ten, it's raining at some stage. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm playing at home and I'm wearing rubber studs. I'm thinking, well, this is even better. It's like wearing a pair of slippers. Given how, how much you like to be on the ball and how you like to use the ball, does, this slippers thing, does, does it slightly improve you, your control or your feel about using the ball? For me, yes, totally. I feel it's, um, I feel it's, it's something that you just feel, I felt more in control if you like, because um, you wear aluminiums and you they, they can obviously underneath you can get your feet can start obviously getting swollen and, and but with rubber studs very rarely would you get um, even on an hard pitch you won't be getting none of that and I just once I got used to it it was for me I was like this is lovely obviously when we went to the mainland it's totally different you're going back into to different weathers and um, but like it was it was a, a culture shock but something that I I adapted to very quickly and I, and I really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, there must have been things you didn't enjoy. What about um, some of the, the travel? Because, as you said, if you're travelling to the north of Spain or even anywhere in the centre of Spain um, from the Canary Islands, it, it, it's a long one. So in, in that first season, only in that first season... You had to get up to Pamplona and Osasuna. Um, I'm looking at the most northerly games that you played. Um, you went to Madrid for Real Vallecano. Sevilla was nearer. Villarreal. There was a lot of teams. Fair play. There was Yeida, the Catalan team. You know, that meant that there's no way you could have been getting back. There weren't airports in some of them um, smaller uh, cities. That, that meant that, I don't know, you could easily, I suppose, have set off for a a Sunday game on a Friday or a Saturday and got back on something like the Monday or the Tuesday, I, su- I suppose, things like that. It would have been the most travel and the strangest feeling build up to a game and wind down from a game you'd ever experienced. Totally, 100%. And obviously, like you've just 
um, it on there. In the second division, most a lot of the sides are not in the big cities. So you could, i.e., nine times out of ten, if we were playing in the north of Spain, we'd fly into Madrid, change at Madrid up to, like I said, Pamplona, Bilbao, them kind of places. And then you might have a three- or four-hour coach journey um, because even the likes of Badajoz and them sort of places, you'd fly into a lot of the time because of the there wasn't, say, a connection, say, from Las Palmas direct to Seville, which you would go to to go to Badajoz. You might fly into Madrid. Then you take a, a coach, which has got to be a good four hours to Badajoz, probably more. Um, and the amount of travelling, and you're correct, we used to leave sometimes two days before a game. And because of the timing of the game, we might not get back until the third or fourth day. So, yeah, it was a heck of a lot of travelling and a, a lot of time away from the family. You, you had to learn how to play chess or cards and that because you weren't carrying that all the players now they've got personal DVD and video and if they a lot of a lot of elite footballers certainly in Britain and Spain I wouldn't know what an autobus a coach was you know because they never it's all private hire planes and that kind of stuff and we got tales of you know we've even had Les Ferdinand was was a helicopter man and struck a deal where he could he could arrive at training in his helicopter you know so the amount of time you must have spent Reg Varney you were on the buses which is just it's a, if you ever read Shoot as a kid and, and I know my audience is too young to read Shoot but you read Shoot and there was the player profiles and various dislikes injuries and travelling on a bus no and you're, you're correct them, but to be quite honest, all they used to do was put films on the bus, all in Spanish. Did not have a clue. And I'm laughing at some of the, the things. And they're looking at me and saying, you don't even understand what they're saying. I'm laughing, trying to make that. And you're correct. There wasn't none of these personal um, computers where people were um, on their phones because there wasn't no real social media and all that then. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of time consuming and, and like you said, spending a lot of time on a bus. Um, but you get used to it in the end. And and even when you see now, we're still up till today, you get teams saying, oh, we've got to fly to the Canary Islands. Um, and from some of the ones up north, even the likes of uh, Numancia, that was one of the worst places to get to. And, I mean, we used to, if we went there December January. I mean, it was like being back home. It was like cold beyond cold. It was like, and for me, I was okay because like, but these the Canarians are thinking, wow, what's this about? This is this is like, oh. it's not just a different city. It's a different continent altogether. Because if you're, it's nippy in Numancia at the best of times. Before the rest of this big interview. I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, one of the things you must be bored senseless of talking about is all the the yellow cards and the reds. But this theme about the travel, because you know, I was able to see some of it. Well, I wasn't watching all your second division football, but because I was interested in you as a footballer and liked what you did, um, both in Britain, but then subsequently when I lived here in Spain, I was able to see um, footage of you playing. And you know, often the, the cards were for dissent the type of thing you probably would have been allowed to do in England because the referee would have known what you were saying and might have given you a bit of leeway but all that time on a coach all that time coming back from a game if you're stewing angry about either you had a bad game like not you anyone it's in your that's one of the worst things about being a footballer it's in your head and you can't get that out of your head and if you're stewing because you think you've been hard done by by a referee or whatever that, that leaves you hours and hours and hours before you're back into a routine say you're back with your this is how football sports people get over it you get back with your family maybe you've got little kids so you go alright oh, the world's not so bad there's a little one bouncing around happy to see me or you just get in and you get the next training session out of your out of your system and you, you give it an extra go because you're really pissed off at the referee or whatever you must have sat s- stewing over things for hours so many times totally and obviously you've probably heard the the famous one after 15 minutes of my debut, I get sent off. So I get a four-game ban. Mm-hmm. And then I came back on the, obviously after the four-game ban, and I get sent off again in the last minute. Um, so for me, I'd been sent off once in my career in, in, in the UK. And then in the two, two games, I got uh, uh, sent off. The first one was totally ridiculous. Um, it was totally my fault, and I think it was um, overexcitement because I'd signed for Las Palmas, but because of the international clearance took so long, I was training for a couple of weeks, chomping at the bit to play, and and probably went o- over the top uh, as such. But getting back to what you're saying in terms of the yellow cards and the red cards, yeah, 90% of them was... Because of the language barrier, you know more about the, the referee in here in Spain than me. If you raise your arms as a gesture, because people talk with their arms, and number one, I'm speaking in English. Number two, I'm raising my arms, and straight away they've got no tolerance. They'll just they give you like a, a yellow card straight away. Now you're you're walking a tightrope. Um, so a lot of them problems were due to to language barrier. Something I've never seen you talking about, and I'm going to get off this because discipline doesn't really interest me that much. But once you got as a group, and there's a slight change in squad and there's a change of coach, but as a group, when you're up in the Primera, not you, but first season, six red cards, second season, seven red, red cards, Las Palmas, not Vinny Samways. Did, did you, did, 
did you carry a sort of island aggression and island pride with you wherever you went? Or did, are you arguing that referees just treated Las Palmas badly because they were like, you know, a little club from the middle of the ocean down in Africa? Because 13 red cards in two first division seasons is something at least to talk about. The Canarians are, are known sort of like the, the Brazilians of Spain. If you look at any top player that's come through, they're gifted like beyond. But they've also got a... Uh, and in a sense, a bit of steel of, of winners. Um, so, yeah, their mentality is a little bit different from um, other other parts of Spain. Like if you moved up, I always remember we go to Arsenal, Bilbao, Alaves, then Aiba playing a British way of football because they were more direct, more back to front. Um, and and I still believe. Maybe Bilbao, not so much, but I still believe the Osasunas, Uelaves, they're still quite direct in the way they play. And that's because they're built differently. They're big, strong lads up there and, and up in the north. And you know that as well as I do. Yeah, Vinny, I know what you mean. Because up north, whether you're talking about Alaves or Raybar or uh, Bilbao or whatever, you know, you said they're, they're built differently, but it's flipping. It's mountain country. It's raining and cold half the year there, so it's a completely different attitude. And even if it's just for a bit of temperature, they're getting the ball run along and chasing after it. And they were founded by Brits, so it's it's a completely different idea. And and you were talking about the, you know, that island mentality that maybe maybe brings a little bit. We'll show you. I don't know if it's in our pride as well, on top of the natural skill, but I, th- I think we're on a similar theme that they're we won't be put down just because we're a little island down near Africa. Totally agree with you. And and that's, that was something that really shocked me um, was the mentality of of the of the um, Canarians. Um, and not only that, they're the most warming people that I've ever come across in my life. Because they could have really, and I'm not I'm not just talking supporters, I'm talking about in general the club and my teammates, they gave me so much support because the first six months was really difficult. It weren't because I had the sending offs and the cards and and nobody likes having, even though I didn't have bad publicity, of course the press are going to have to write something about it um, because this Englishman's come over uh, and these things have happened. They stuck by me and um, that's why I spent six and a half seasons there because of um I couldn't I couldn't thank him enough and I just I just thoroughly enjoyed playing it was amazing well let's talk a little bit about that because you talked about Insular that a lot of people listening won't know was the was your stadium it's now knocked down they've got a big sort of gaping stadium that is now much less full and even though they were highly entertaining under Kiki Setien in, in the Primera last time they were up um the, the club itself is probably about in the situation you found it in when you moved over in 97. But I, again, I want you to convey like the, the welcoming an Englishman, w- w- what it was like when you felt lonely and a little bit not settled in in those first six months where you and your missus must have been thinking, well, oh, is this it? Have we done the right thing? And then moving forward through the seasons, because there's a really, you talked about at the top of the interview, you, you had the feeling that you were joining a club with ambition. There was a forward trajectory just gently up the league to, to eventually being champions, which not enough people, I, I don't think, shout about when they talk about Vinny's. You know, you're a champion, you won that title. And it's, a, it's called the well, 
isn't it? Because if you fall down that well, difficult to get out of. And, and you were champion. So, you know, from that first six months, the doubts, the, what was it that people did to make you feel loved and wanted? Well, I think it was just to support um, because they could have easily turned against me. Um, and um, they, not in a nasty way, but I mean, they could have been cold to you. But I mean, it was just the warmth that they accepted me and my family. And it was more for my family because like we 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 hit upon about the travelling, I was leaving my family on away games for three or four days in a totally new country, don't speak the language. And I mean, the club did everything that they could. When we was away, they, they arranged to, to take my, my wife to places when, um, with my little son at the time. My daughter wasn't born at that time. Um, so it was like somewhere, no, when you think, guys, this is amazing, right? Really, you've made, because if you're, you've got an app your own, it's easy for you to go into training and feel comfortable and feel happy. But if you've got uh, a family at home that are obviously missing home, don't get me wrong, of course they miss home at the beginning, but after a while, we moved down to the south of the island, um, which there was a lot more Brits. Um, the club thought I was completely off my head. And it was like 45 minutes there and back to training, uh, 45 minutes there. And they said to me, you can't do that. So what are you on about? I said, I lived in London. I lived five miles from the training ground. Take me an hour every morning. Hold on, Vinny, hold on, Vinny. The club where you had to tra- travel five days for an away game was saying you couldn't travel 45 minutes. They said to me, but everybody lives in and around the city. I said, yeah, but I don't. I said, I'm going down the south. Um, so obviously that was a little bit, um, that wasn't, Sort of in their plan at the beginning, but it was it was fine. That for me, the travelling was wasn't a problem. But you're a bit upon it there. You're talking forty five minutes, but you're talking like four days away on a like on a way trip. Where does that come into it? I had to learn quickly to say "calm down, lads" in Spanish. Um, I have to learn about training. What was training like in terms of? How much with the ball? What were the drills? How easy was it to, to train well? Um, not just in a new language, because the, the ball is your tutor, your teammates are your tutor. But like, how different were the routines? What were the things where, where you just, you know, you're walking on water because you're like, yeah, I've done this at Spurs. And what were the things that you found a little bit hard? Well, I'll tell you what, I, what for me was an amazing surprise. At the start of every training session, they started with a runder, you know, the, the, the circle where like the, the two in the middle probably ain't coming out for a week because you don't get the ball off of people. So, so me, be, me being the, the full guy, I was the one always put in the middle at the beginning. And I couldn't get the ball from these guys. I'm thinking, heck, what's happening here? These keep the ball for fun. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking like this was something in England, a normal training session. You go out, you do a couple of laps around the, jogging around the pitch, a little bit of stretching, and then like uh, into your your practice. Where in Spain, it was like, start off with a run the 10, 15 minutes. I mean, proper stretching, which for me was just new. Um, and then into, um, always into possession football straight away. Um, eight against eight, four against four, depending on what day, whether they're breaking the groups up, but, Every day it started with possession. 
Um, and there was always a um, a Libra, someone like a, one person with a different colour bib who played for the side who had the ball. So you was always one man less if, or one man more if you had the ball, if you understand. Um, so I was always given the bib because obviously now I'm playing for both sides again. So it's learning me more about possession. I mean, keeping the ball all the time. And it was, um, then it would go into um, a lot of the time crossing and shooting. And then depending later in the week, we're going to tactics, i.e. team play, systems and everything. Um, And it was, it was totally different. And the pre-seasons were totally different to, to in the UK because in the UK you didn't see a ball for the first week in pre-season totally changed now because of obviously uh, football's changed in the UK as well but for the first week in England you don't see or you didn't see a ball you didn't know what a ball was it was just pure physical running getting your fitness up where in Spain everything's done with a ball everything's done with a ball of course you have your your few longer distance runs but nothing dramatic um, but no. everything's done with a ball. Can, can I seize on that thing that you've mentioned there? I've got a question for our sponsors coming out after this. But when I was in Belfast recently for the Super Cup, the joy Vinny was, and this is one of the reasons I moved to Spain, because in those days you could go to training, and it really inspired me to learn my trade by going and watching. But anyway, in Belfast recently, we were given access to both the Villarreal training station, but also the Chelsea training station. And Tuchel, towards the end of his session, had 8v8 in um, a small space, not half the pitch, but a quarter of the pitch, um, up in the far corner. Um, so it was in only in, it was from the halfway line to the goal line where the goals were, but they only used one half of one half. So, and within that 8v8, 8v8 in that space is, is quite busy, and it? it's about space and first touch, and how clearly you see a pass, and, but he had those jokers. They call them often in Spain comodines, the, the guy who wears a different colour bed. So this one was turquoise against pink. And the comodines were all in gold. But he had uh, two, four, eight, he had eight comodines. So he had one on either part where the big box touched the byline. So that's two at this end, two at that end. He had two facing each other halfway along the half. So in centre mid, deep, deep midfield, but on the line, on the, on the sideline, and two equally on the sideline in the other half. So two, four, six, eight. Yeah, eight. And they're all wearing, wearing gold bibs. So each side of eight has got a comedian who plays, who, who plays just as you explained, with whichever side's got the ball. So he's your mate in one instant, then he's your enemy the, other, the next instant. Well, when you've got eight v eight plus eight comedians, what, what is that doing for them in terms? And, and 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 is that an extended concept from anything you ever played at Las Palmas or Sevilla? Because I've never seen eight, eight you know, eight double double sided players like that before ever. No, that is exactly what you've done. There is exactly what we used to do. But the comedians, the ones on the outside, and say parallel with the goals. Were either only one touch or two touch. So if you were in trouble playing, you could fire it into them, but they would only have, depending, they would change it to they could have maximum two touches or one touch. So it was, it was, I think, for you and for them who step on the side to be aware where they're playing. So they're not just sitting up, standing there waiting to come back on. They're waiting there, and now they've got to be looking around because if I fire a ball into you and you've only got one touch. 
nine times out of ten, you ain't giving it back to me because I'm giving it to you because I've got someone next to me. So you've got to now have a vision where it's where you're going to hit your next ball. And and obviously, depending on the coaches, you ain't going to get these guys that just flip it around the corner because the coach will stop and say, "Hold up, what's all that about?" You know what I'm saying? They, you know, in Spain, when you fire it, someone, you're going to do it. You're going to have to hit a cone. You're going to have to hit a shirt that you're supposed to hit. Otherwise, they're going to ask you questions. Um, so that was obviously brought in. So I think it's just a traditional Spanish thing that they've been doing for years. Um, and we only have to see the results these this country's had in the last God knows how many years, not only um, domestically, nationally as well, with a, with a national team. What is it? Two, two Copa Europas and a World Cup consecutively. I, I can't see it ever being done. Because, yeah, okay, you can say they had like a dream team at the time, but it's, you're still playing against top, top countries, you know what I'm saying? So you've still got to perform. Um, so, yeah, I've got, I've got nothing but um, admiration and respect for Spanish football. I said I would come back to this, Vinny, um, and I mean, I mean, we're eating up your morning, but there's more ground to cover, I'm sorry. Um, our sponsors are Bet365, and they've asked us, uh, and this touches on what I said at the beginning, where, you know, I, I knew why I was obsessed with Spain and why I wanted to come here, and it was the football. It wasn't the sunshine, it wasn't the flipping sangria or the pale and all that nonsense, it was the football. But, you know, you, you said that you were inspired to come and play in Spain at a time when Spanish football wasn't live yet on, on Sky in, in England. It debuted in 96, and by 97, you're in, you're in Spain. So our sponsor's question is, why do you think British players don't move abroad more often? But I have to throw in the little rider as well. Why were you inspired to do so? So why you and why do British players not copy that as often as, as you and I might think they should? If you, you hit upon it there where you said that probably the most watched game at the time when we, when I was in the UK, would have been the Italian league um, because they, they were showing... Um, I respect the Italian league, very difficultly. Not a great lover of, of uh, the way they set up, um, but that's each. So um, why do I believe British players don't really? It was always the same, British players don't travel well. If you look back when the likes of Jerry Francis, Graham Souness, Ray Wilkins. Ray Wilkins went to Italy and he was a phenomenal in Italy, but... It didn't get the press that obviously um, that he, he he got because if Ray Wilkins would have been playing in Spain, they would have loved him. They called him the crab or, or whatever. If he he was no different to what Pep Guardiola was at Barcelona, he played exactly the same way as as Pep at Barcelona. And if he was playing in Spain and he was Spanish, he would have got over hundred caps for his country. Um, and that's, uh, okay, so only a personal opinion, but these are the po- kind of people that I looked up to and thought, wow, I respect it. I remember I, w- I went back to play for, I played against Ray Wilkins when he was player manager at QPR. And obviously he was getting getting on getting on a bit there. I couldn't get near the guy. Could not get near him because everything was one touch. And he knew, already knew before that ball come to him, i.e. like a shoving yester, where it was going. They'd already done their their, their, their vision. Um, it wasn't like 
control it. Now let me look where it's going. No, no. They already had it in their mind where it's going. So it's an hard, hard question to answer. Why don't British players travel? Well, I, I really don't know. And I think that could obviously be do the foreign countries, i.e. Spain or, or, or Italy, trust in them? I don't know. I really don't know. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here end of the lesson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 